Hello and welcome to a new episode of Unranked with Logan Kelleher, where I talk about college football, and that's just about it. This week had a game that everybody probably knew about, Texas beating Oklahoma, and a few other games that were not as in the spotlight, but still worth mentioning. Going over that first first game I mentioned between Texas and Oklahoma. Texas probably surprised a lot of people winning this game, but it's a game that I, I definitely saw Texas winning. Thought Oklahoma played a little bit rough this year sometimes. Last week in particular, letting Baylor score over 30 points. They let Baylor score 33 points on their defense. And then against Army, they had to go into overtime just to win that game. They only got away from Iowa State by 10 the week before. So this game was probably in the making for Oklahoma for a while, and Texas just played better. And that started with the quarterback, Sam Ellinger, who had five total touchdowns in the game two through the air and three on the ground and no interceptions. They also had Lil Jordan Humphrey contribute on the other side of the passing game. He's usually the receiver catching all the balls, but this week they had him throw one and he threw a touchdown in the game, which that was early in the first quarter, Texas's first touchdown. Prior to, the, prior to that, Kyler Murray threw his first of four touchdowns in the game. And then by the end of the quarter, the kicker, whose name was very important at the, at the end of the game, Dicker, made his first field goal of the game from 44 yards. Second quarter, Siebert made a 32-yard field goal, and then Ellinger completed his first touchdown pass and ran for a touchdown as well to put Texas up 24-10. to And then Kyler Murray threw a five-yard touchdown pass to Lamb, making it 24-17 at halftime. Third quarter was Texas's quarter. Sam Ellinger ran for two touchdowns in the quarter, threw another touchdown to the little Jordan, Jordan Humphrey. So Humphrey had one passing, then got another one receiving. And the same quarter, Kyler Murray threw another touchdown pass. This one was for 77 yards. But by the end of the quarter, it would be 45-24, Texas in the lead. Texas wouldn't score again until 14 seconds left in the game with another Dicker field goal. Oklahoma had three touchdowns. The first one at the 835 mark, it was a 19-yard touchdown pass from Murray to Morris. And then the next touchdown, Kyler Murray scrambled for a 67-yard run for a touchdown. And then Trey Sermon ran for a seven-yard score, making it 45-45 before Dicker made the 40-yard field goal that won Texas the game and knocked off Oklahoma.
as one of the 14 undefeateds going into the week. 11 remain, three lost, one of them being Oklahoma, the other two being Kentucky and LSU, two teams from the SEC. And going into those games, Kentucky was ranked 13th going into the week, and they'd see that ranking fall as they had a tough game this week against Texas A&M at College Station, going into overtime. And Kentucky had been winning games off the success of Benny Snell running the football, and he was held to 60 yards rushing. They had Asim Rose contribute six yards, and Terry Wilson, the quarterback, who is, who's been having a good year this year running the football, was limited to four yards on the 14 attempts he ran, 14 carries he had. So when you're struggling running the ball, you want to go to the air. Well, Terry Wilson completed 65% of his passes, 13 to 20 for 108 yards, had one touchdown, no interceptions, but the lack of the run game was really what took the game away from them. Kellen Mond played well on the other side for Texas A&M, 18 and 29 for 226, two touchdowns and an interception. And Travion Williams, who was behind Benny Snell, in rushing yards in the SEC, moved past him this week, had 138 yards and a touchdown, and it was a very low-scoring game. First quarter, one touchdown. That was Terry Wilson throwing a 54-yard touchdown pass, then Kellen Mond threw a touchdown pass in the second, and then neither team scored again until the fourth quarter. Texas A&M scored first with uh, another Kellerman touchdown pass. And then Kentucky's offense actually didn't score again. It was their defense that stepped up and scored a touchdown to take it into overtime. And then they went into overtime. And that's where Kentucky choked and Texas A&M was able to pull away and win the game. And for these two teams, Kentucky falls to five and one. Texas A&M goes to four and two in the SEC that pulls Kentucky from a tie with Georgia for the top spot. So now Georgia sits alone. There's Kentucky and Georgia, Kentucky and Florida who are tied for second in the SEC East. Texas A&M with LSU's loss actually ties them for second in the SEC West behind Alabama, who's been cruising behind the success of their quarterback to a tag get in that game. But before that game, we'll talk about the LSU Florida game where number five fell to number 22. Prior to the, prior to the start of this game, Joe Burrow was having a good season. He wasn't putting up high numbers th- through the air. He wasn't lighting people up with his arm and throwing the ball but he was efficient, 
He was completing passes, and it really helped with the two running backs they have to win games. This week, they couldn't do it. LSU jumped out to a 7-0 lead in the first quarter. Nick Brosette ran for his first of two touchdowns for the day from four yards out. But then LaMichael Pirine for Florida ran for his own touchdown in the second quarter to start that off. Then late in the quarter, it was Tracy making a field goal for LSU. And then to go into halftime, Felipe Franks, the touchdown pass, making it 14-10. Third quarter, LSU, LSU's kicker made another field goal, making it 13-14, trying by one. Then LSU actually was able to take the lead on a Nick Brosett touchdown run, his second of the day, this one from one yard out. And they went for two, but failed to failed to get that attempt. So in halfway through the quarter at the 854 mark, LaMichael Pirine runs in for a two-yard touchdown, his second of the day. And that made it 20 to 19. And like LSU, Florida went for two to try to make it a three-point game, but they cannot convert. So it is 20 to 19. And then Florida seals it. Joe Burrow's pass intercepted and returned for a touchdown. And that was all that's needed to that interception from Brad Stewart in return for a touchdown made at 27-19. And LSU was unable to come back and Florida wins. Both teams now five and one. After that one, LSU has a tough contest at home, first of three straight, but they're all against ranked opponents. First one being Georgia, second one being Mississippi State, and the third one being Alabama. So they play two top five teams, three ranked teams in the matter of three weeks, all at home though, so that should help them. We'll see if Joe Burrow can step up and make the passes he needs or if he will continue to struggle in these big game settings. Florida, though, reeling after that victory. In the new AP poll that came out, Florida jumped to 14th. LSU, though, only falls to 13th. And I say only because Florida fans probably would have wanted them to be ahead of LSU after a win like that. But it wasn't enough for the AP poll, so they kept LSU above Florida. And in the game prior to this one I talked about, Oklahoma and Texas, Texas jumps all the way to number nine from 19 and Oklahoma falls to 11. So Texas and Oklahoma in that situation, Texas jumped over only winning by three, but they were in control for a while in that game. They're up 45 to 24 at the start of the fourth quarter. Of course, Oklahoma came back, but they were still pretty dominant in that game up until the fourth quarter. And so in this instance, that was a three-point game in LSU-Florida game. Florida won by eight, and they were in control. They they held each LSU running back to under 100 yards. Brosette had 95, so he was close, and he had two touchdowns, but they still held him under. And they held Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to 55 yards. So they were able to hold the running backs. They were able to force Joe Burrow to make mistakes through the air, and ultimately they won the game. Another pretty important game 
Auburn was playing Mississippi State. Auburn had the number eight ranking in the nation prior to this game. And playing Mississippi State, it was a very grounded attack for Mississippi State that won them the game. Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback, 69 yards through the air in his interception, but 195 on the ground, two touchdowns. Kylan Hill for Mississippi State also added 126 on the ground, which ultimately was what put Mississippi State over the top. For Auburn, no, no offensive scores for them. All they were able to do were kick field goals. In the first quarter, each – kicker for each team made a field goal Carlson from 47 for Auburn Chrisman from 25 for Mississippi State in the second quarter Mississippi State scores a touchdown a one-yard touchdown run from Nick Nick Fitzgerald and then Chrisman makes his second field goal of the game in the third quarter another quarter of just field goals Mississippi State makes the first one Chrisman from 32 and Auburn Carlson from 38 and then Carlson makes another field goal at the beginning of the fourth from 24, making nine to 16. But Mississippi State and Nick Fitzgerald gets another rushing touchdown, pulling away. 23 to nine is the final there. So Auburn now one and two in the SEC. They have two two calmer games. One at home against Tennessee. Tennessee's struggling in the SEC, and then they travel to. Mississippi to play Ole Miss, which are two, as I said, calmer games before they play Texas A&M, who just knocked off Kentucky, or beat Kentucky, and then they play at Georgia and at Alabama in November. So it'll be very interesting to see how Auburn responds and how they play the rest of the season. They have a good quarterback, Jarrett Stidham, took them, took them pretty far last year. Plays pretty good football. He's been very conservative through the year, not making mistakes, but just wasn't able to do enough to help them win the game this week. And so those those three games caused the biggest shifts in the rankings, but another one worth mentioning. One of the four teams to fall out of the AP poll four being Stanford, Michigan State, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma State. Stanford, the first one, claimed the number 14 spot up until – I just dropped my phone – up until this week against Utah. So a Pac-12 conference game between a North team and a South team. Utah was two and two going into this game. Stanford was four and one. Coming off that loss to Notre Dame the last week. And this one, Utah just controlled the game, forced Costello to throw through the air. Costello ended up with 381 yards in the game, but had two interceptions with the absence of of Bryce Love, it was Trevor Spates and Cameron Scarlett for Stanford. Each had a touchdown, but Spates was the leading rusher with 56. Scarlett had 17. 
and then two other rushers, KJ Costello and Michael Wilson for Stanford had negative yardage. So ultimately Stanford ended up with 42 yards rushing opposed to 222 from Utah. Utah had a good game from Zach Moss, their junior running back ran for one, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Tyler Huntley, Utah's quarterback was an efficient 17 to 21 for 199 yards and a touchdown. And Utah gets the 19-point victory. They controlled the game from the start. They were they were up 21 to zero. A 100 plus yard return interception return for Utah made it 14 to nothing in the second quarter. Two touchdown runs from Zach Moss made it 21. 21 spades for Stanford ran for a touchdown and then Utah's kicker made a field goal, make it 24 to seven at halftime in the third quarter though, Stanford started to come back. Utah was held to a field goal in the quarter, two touchdowns from Stanford. But then the fourth quarter, Stanford pulled away again. It was two field goals and a touchdown making it 40-21, to 21, and Utah pulled off the upset against Stanford. So Stanford out of the rankings completely after falling last week with their loss to Notre Dame. They lose again, and for Stanford, they have a game at Arizona State next Thursday. So they play a little bit earlier, and then they have a, they have a nine-day break until they play Washington State and then at Washington to start November. And on the other hand, Utah, who does not go into the poll at with a 3-2 and two record, they play home against Arizona and USC for traveling to play UCLA and Arizona State, and then they have a home and an away game against Oregon and Colorado in that order. So Utah can try to show off a little bit of what they might be able to do in the Pac-12, while Stanford is going to be now on a redemption tour, trying to take care of a few teams, try to get back to the top of the Pac-12. How the standings shape up in the Pac-12 for each team? Stanford still in second place, though it's their first loss in Pac-12 play, tied with Washington State for number two, trailing Washington by a game. Washington's three and zero. And on the other hand, Utah, 1-2, and two, their first conference win. They have Arizona, USC, and Colorado to jump. USC and Arizona, 2-1, Colorado, 2-0. Colorado, the only undefeated team in the Pac-12. And three more teams that lost out of the rankings and left the rankings. Michigan State, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma State. Michigan State lost one due to Clayton Thorson of Northwestern, a four-touchdown performance. And that one. And for Michigan State, they fall or they're now tie. It's a three way tie. Maryland losing to Michigan makes it a three way tie for third. Michigan and Ohio State tied for first with three and conference records. Northwestern, on the other hand, is only a game behind Wisconsin for the top spot in the West, two and three overall, but those two wins have come in the conference. 
Northwestern will play Nebraska and a home game against Nebraska and then an away game at Rutgers, two games that should be able to handle. Nebraska has been struggling off to an 0-5 start. Not a not a good start for their program. And then Rutgers has been struggling as well to win games. And then after those two, they have Wisconsin and Notre Dame, both at home though. We'll see if Northwestern's really up to the up to the challenge to try to jump past Wisconsin. Wisconsin will be able to prove that they belong at the top in that game against Northwestern. And on the other hand, Michigan State, they will play at Penn State this next Saturday. And then Saturday after that, they have a home game against Michigan. So two tough games for Michigan State. They already followed the rankings. We'll see if they can they continue to fall or if they can rebound. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, after winning a game against Duke last week to jump back into the rankings, they're back out after a loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, again, controlled the game. Dexter Williams, the running back, who was playing in his second game of the season, had another solid performance, three touchdowns, 178 yards. Ian Book made what seemed like his first mistakes of the season, but he still definitely did enough to help them win the game. So Notre Dame were able to jump up one of the rankings, while Virginia Tech, on the other hand, left again for the second time this year. Then the final team to leave the rankings was a Big 12 team, Oklahoma State, who now has two losses in Big 12 play after Iowa State beat them. For Iowa State, it was their third string quarterback, Brock Purdy, coming in for Zeb Noland. And he put on a show, 318 yards, four touchdowns and an interception, 84 on the ground and a touchdown, 18 to 23 passing, very efficient numbers. Played a good game of football. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, Cornelius, like Purdy, had four touchdowns on the through the air and an interception and one on the ground. A little less yarders, though. But Iowa State pulls off that win, 48-42. Iowa State was in control for the majority of the game. In the third quarter, Cornelius scrambled for his touchdown run, making it a two-point game. But Iowa State quickly jumped out in front by 12 with a field goal and another touchdown. And then in the fourth, Oklahoma State just did too little too late, and Iowa State pulled off that victory. So as mentioned, some shakeups in the the rankings. But some teams that stayed the same. Nearly every team jumped except the first four, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson, who have been in the top four all season, continue to stay there. Notre Dame jumping up one. West Virginia, Washington, Penn State all move up three to six, seven, and eight for them. And Texas, as I mentioned, jumped up to nine. UCF out of the American Athletic Conference up to number 10. And they they're cementing themselves as a as a contender for that for that New Year's Six Bowl and 
they're going to be shooting for a playoff bid, which is going to be very hard if all these teams ahead of them keep winning. Oklahoma falls to 11. Michigan jumps up to 12 from their previously held 15th spot. LSU fell to 13. Florida jumped to 14. Wisconsin, Miami, Oregon all move up one. 15, 16, and 17. Kentucky fell to 18. Colorado, the only undefeated in the Pac-12, moves up to 19. North Carolina State, out of the ACC, moves up three to number 20, and they're still undefeated. Gonna gonna try to knock off Clemson, try to hold that top spot in that division. Auburn falls 13 spots to number 21, and a few teams making the rankings for the first time this year, or second time this year. Two made it for the first time this year. Two are two are back in it after some solid wins. Two SEC teams, Texas A&M and Mississippi State, jumped to 22 and 24 respectfully. And 23 and 25 belong to what were previously the only two undefeated teams not in the rankings. USF, University of South Florida, and Cincinnati. USF at 5-0. and and Cincinnati at 6-0. Finally, jump into the rankings as undefeated teams. Those were those were the unranked games. Those were the unranked games of the week for me. First one was Ole Miss putting up 70 against UL Monroe, which isn't too surprising <laughs> being a SEC against the Sunbelt team. But it was still a good showing for Ole Miss. They were able to rebound after some really tough contests this year. They're 0-2 in the SEC, but they jumped to 4-2 after this this uh, high-scoring output. They previously put up 76 to Southern Illinois, but gave up 41 points. So a game to definitely test their offense. Jordan Tamu had 374 yards through the air, 63 on the ground, five total touchdowns. Backup quarterback, Matt Coral had 200 total yards, three total touchdowns. And their running back, Scotty Phillips, had 74 yards and two scores to piece together that victory. And for South Florida, and that'll that'll get me going into some, some players that I thought had really good games this week. For South Florida... It was their running back who put up 300, 300 yards in this win against Massachusetts. It was a 58-42 game, so first off, very high scoring. But Jordan Cronkright, who going into this game had 304 yards and two touchdowns, mat- nearly matches his rushing total for the season and scores more touchdowns than he had previously all season. 302 yards and three touchdowns to help South Florida win that game. And the second running back, Johnny Ford, 77 yards and two touchdowns. Quarterback Blake Barnett, 209 yards, touchdown and interception. Helped South Florida jump up to 5-0 and and into the rankings for the first time. While Cincinnati got their victory against Tulane, it was a 37-21 victory. And there, Desmond Ritter, who filled in at the beginning of the season for Hayden Moore, had another solid game, completed 60% of his passes 
for 174 yards, two touchdowns, and interception, had a rushing touchdown, as did Michael Warren the second, who has 11 touchdowns on the season. And Tavion Thomas had a touchdown, giving him four for the season for Cincinnati. These two teams, South Florida and Cincinnati, will play each other in November. They will play on the 10th. It will be a home game for Cincinnati. Then Cincinnati, the next week, plays at UCF. On the other hand, South Florida will play UCF the final weekend of football for for them at least. They'll play a home game against UCF. So we'll see how things shape up in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, see if another team can get into that mix for the top spot. In that division, though, Cincinnati is actually currently tied with three other with two other teams, UCF and Temple, for that first spot. South Florida is in second. Well, is it tied for first? They're still undefeated in the conference. They've just played one less less game than others. In the West, it's Houston who sits alone at the top spot, and Houston will play South Florida and not sit out of that mix. So Houston might have a chance to win the AAC, but right now it looks like it's going to belong to the East as there are three undefeated teams still in that division. While in the West, it's Houston and Memphis who have winning records. All other teams have losing records. Memphis actually one and two in the conference Thus far, their only wins are there were three wins coming outside of the conference. And since playing conference games, they have fallen to four and two. That that goes into some of the top performers of the week. As I mentioned, Jordan Cronkright, 302 on the ground, three touchdowns. The, that was the top rusher. The top passer was Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State, who had a another great passing performance against Indiana. It was close for a while, but Ohio State ended up pulling away for a 49-26 win. Dwayne Haskins, 33 of 44, so 75% completion percentage. Again, efficient, 455 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, Six touchdowns bring him to 25 on the season, which puts him in first, ahead of Cole McDonald, who sat out in Hawaii's game last night against Wyoming due to a undisclosed injury. But Ohio State showing that they have a passing quarterback that they have not had in a while. JT Barrett definitely put up some numbers, but Dwayne Haskins is blowing by all of them. 25 through six games. He's on pace to break 40, maybe could break 50. Just depends on how many games they play and the type of games they play. And then going into the top receiver of the week, it was a guy from a team that's been a little bit overlooked, mainly because they are not playing good football. It's a Nebraska wide receiver, J.D. Spielman, who on the season – has 32 catches for 461 yards and five touchdowns. And in this last game against Wisconsin, was flying down the field, 
had nine catches for 209 yards and a touchdown. His quarterback, Adrian Martinez, 384 yards and two touchdowns. Andrew Bunch, the backup quarterback, 23 yards. So out of 400 total passing yards for the team, he had 209, and he is the top receiver of the week, numbers-wise. And then a few honorable mentions by some players that didn't necessarily lead the world of college football in the necessary stats, but they just had good games nevertheless. First one I want to mention is Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. I already mentioned his game. Had 178 yards, three touchdowns to help them beat Virginia Tech and move up to that number five. Then Tua Tagovailoa, who continues to astonish people for Alabama. He's the second player I want to mention. And he just had another great game against Arkansas. They controlled the game, but Nick Saban said one thing they need to work work on is their defense because they gave up 31 to an Arkansas team that going into this game was one and four. Tagovailoa though had 334 yards, four touchdowns on 10 completions. So every completion averaged 30 yards. He was, he was averaging 30 yards per completion. Um, he also added seven yards on the ground. And then Jalen Hurts had was four or five for 59 and then 35 yards on the ground, no touchdowns for him. Tago Veloa through the season, though, through the season, though, <laughs> 76 of 101 for 1,495 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's just a little bit under 20 yards per completion and no interceptions still. He's still not throwing an interception. He's also added two touchdowns on the ground, so he's got 20 total touchdowns for Alabama. And he he is most likely the front runner for the Heisman. Kyler Murray has been taken aback a little bit due to due to some games that Oklahoma's been struggling in. In my opinion, Will Greer had a three interception outing against Kansas. Um and Dwayne Haskins had six touchdowns, has 25 total passing touchdowns. But right now I give it to Tua Tagovailoa just because he's on a team that has not scored less than 45 points on the season so far. And their their lowest margin of victory thus far has been 22 points. <laughs> so their lowest, so their most difficult game, if you will, they were only able to win by three touchdowns, which most teams would take that as a definite win. They would take that any day of the week. But for Alabama and Nick Saban, they're just continuing to look for reasons to get better and actually want to try to improve. So that's another player I wanted to mention. After that, Clayton Thorson played a big part in Northwest Northwestern's win over Michigan State. In that game, Clayton Thorson had four total touchdowns for Northwestern, which was all of their touchdowns. Three through the air, one on the ground. 373 passing yards, had two interceptions, but the touchdowns were enough to help win the game. After that one, I wanted to bring up Gardner Minshew, the second for Washington State, is now in the 
top spot for passing yards in Division One college football. He passed Cole McDonald. As mentioned, Cole McDonald sat out of the last game, gave some other guys a chance to jump ahead. Gardner Minshew, 430 yards, five touchdowns, jumped over jumped over the 2,000-yard mark for the season. He's got 2,422 yards, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's also added two touchdowns on the ground as well. It's 21 in all. And one more player I mentioned him before, but Sam Ellinger had five total touchdowns, 300-plus yards for Texas, winning that game against Oklahoma and proving that they belong in this mix with all these other teams, that they can battle for that top spot in the Big 12, which right now is held by West Virginia. West Virginia sits alone. The only, or actually West Virginia and Texas, beg my pardon, they're both 3-0 in the conference. So the two are in a tie for first. West Virginia still undefeated, Texas at 5-1. And then Oklahoma and Baylor actually are the two teams that are tied for third. So we'll see how that shakes up if West Virginia can continue to win once they get into Big 12 play some more, or if they'll fall off and Texas will be able to win the Big 12, get back into that winning mindset. And that will do it for coverage of this past week in football. And so we'll move into next week. There are a few games between ranked teams. That is Michigan playing at home versus Wisconsin. It will be another tough test for Michigan, first and foremost, while Wisconsin will get to prove themselves. Wisconsin has had a pretty easy go at it. They they had Western Kentucky and New Mexico at the beginning of the season, which they won, handled them pretty well, played BYU and lost that game. BYU pulled off the upset. And then a road game at Iowa beat, that, beat them, and then Nebraska. So Wisconsin hasn't had the toughest schedule yet. So for Wisconsin, they'll get to prove themselves against Michigan. For Michigan, they have been on a five-game win streak since losing to Notre Dame. In these games, they have been a 49-3 victory over Western Michigan, a 45-20 victory over SMU. They beat Nebraska 56-10, had a close one against Northwestern where they scored 20 unanswered to come back and win that game 20-17. to and they beat Maryland last week, 42-21. to And that will be a good, good Big Ten matchup. Two good running backs, Karan Higdon and Karan Higdon from Michigan. And on Wisconsin's side, one of the best running backs in college football, Jonathan Taylor, who has 849 yards and eight touchdowns through the season. So we'll see what happens there. I give that one to Michigan. I think they they do more in the game than Wisconsin does. Shea Patterson controls controls the game from his quarterback position, and they have they have good 
have a good running performance from their running backs, and they don't know how they'll do it. But I say I th- I think they'll hold hold Jonathan Taylor to to not as much yardage as he's been u- used to, and Michigan will take it that one. Next game, Oregon and Washington out of the Pac-12. Oregon's been playing well this year, as has Washington. Each team has or each team coming from the north and each team with one loss. Washington's loss was the first game of the season to Auburn, a top 10 team. They have won five straight, but a few have been too close for comfort. Last night, or Saturday, losing to, or they won, but only by seven to UCLA. Then two weeks before that, only won by seven to Arizona State. So Oregon has a chance here in my mind. They got two good running backs. They have a good quarterback in Justin Herbert. And I believe it'll be high scoring like most Pac-12 games are. And... There were a lot of upsets this week, but I think this next week in college football will do the same. And I think Oregon will be able to beat Washington and jump up in the Pac-12 standings. The last game, I want to mention that in the SEC game, this one was going to be a top five game until LSU lost. It's LSU hosting Georgia. And this will be a good test for Georgia as they have not they have not necessarily had the toughest competition so far. They've had they've had games they had a game against FCS Austin P earlier in the season. They played at South Carolina, handled them 24 point victory, played Middle Tennessee, won by 42, played at Missouri, and then home against Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Handled each of those opponents. Closest game there was 14 to Missouri. But South Carolina was the only ranked team, and they were they were ranked 24th at that point. Haven't gotten back into the rankings since. On the other hand, LSU just lost a tough one to Florida. And I think they'll be reeling for a victory. And I think it's gonna be close. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Georgia in this one just because I think they're going to play more a more complete football game than LSU. Joe Burrow proved that he has been successful due to his running backs, and unless he can prove that he can throw the ball and make plays through the air, I think LSU loses this game. It's not enough to have two good running backs. You need a good quarterback. On the other hand, Georgia has been ha- having a lot of help from their running backs along with their quarterback, and for that reason, I give that one to Georgia. And beyond that, we'll just leave it up to college football world to shock us, surprise us, astound us, whatever you want to use, or it may do exactly what we think it'll do. But that's it from me. Talked about all I want to talk about. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you will watch plenty of football this week. It starts early. We got a Tuesday night game out of the Mac this week, so I don't know if a lot of, if any of these listeners will want to watch a Mac football game, but that one for your information will be, or it's not Mac, it's a Sunbelt game between Appalachian State and Arkansas State.
at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. And then the rest of football begins later in the week. Thursday, another Sunbelt game. Georgia Southern will play at Texas State. And a Big 12 game, Texas Tech and Texas Christian, TCU, play each other. And some Friday games and then the rest on Saturday, as per usual. As I said, that's it. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you watch football this week. I hope you get exactly what you need out of it. Some some surprise, that surprise factor, or I hope your favorite team wins. That's it for me. So until next time, this has been Unranked with Logan Kelleher. Goodbye. <laughs>